This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate loses and love wins. I'm Tavis Smiley. Glad to have you with us in this first hour of today's program. Uh, in this half hour, um, uh, one of our final opportunities uh, to uplift groundbreaking women during Women's History Month. We've been doing it all month long, uh, but one of our final chances to draw attention to someone that you should be aware of. Uh, please be joined now by Alexandra Alex Allred, a former professional athlete who made sports history when she won the first ever U.S. Women's Bobsled Championship when she was more than four months pregnant. Wow. <laughs> uh, the new book is titled When Women Stood, The Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports and the World. It's an eye-opening chronicle that sheds light on the remarkable women who refused to accept the status quo and fought for something better for themselves and for future generations. I am pleased to have Alex Arred on this program. Alex, how are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. Love it's, it. It's a great delight to have you. I love it as well. Um, I, I'm always curious about people who are in sports uh, that are not, you know, baseball, football, basketball. How does one get into bobsledding? <laughs> well, I always say, you know, I wish I had a better story, but I was, I love sports. My background is actually martial arts. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to do fighting, but I had had a baby. I was sitting on the couch watching ESPN, saw the men, thought it was really cool, waited for the women, and they were not there. And when I found out that women had been banned from the sport, um, that was it. That was all I needed. I just, you know, I like to go after things. And so I became kind of obnoxious to the USOC and the IOC until I got invited <laughs> to the first ever camp. And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. Um, I asked about bobsledding, uh, making, making the point uh, that um, I'm fascinated by people who are in sports that are somewhat unusual and different. And then you bring martial arts to the table. So I, now i got to back up again. Uh, why? Not how. I, I, get, I get the how part. And I, I work out at a boxing gym, so I see women in there who are in the martial arts profession. And I'm always curious as to why women uh, choose to engage in martial arts. I can ask you that question because you're here. So tell me why. Why for you? Why, Alex? You know, in, so I'm older, so it was right. the 1980s that I got into martial arts, and there were not that many women. And I think I grew up with a military dad. We lived all over the world, and so I was sort of out of the box anyway. Mm-hmm. And I just liked the idea of being able to fight. And once I got into it, oh, boy, I really loved it. I mean, it's just, it, there's nothing like it. It is so much fun. And so I really thought that was my sport. Mm-hmm. Until I had a kid, and then I'm sitting on the couch, and I see the thing with bobsledding, and then I thought, okay, that's my new one. So I kind of <laughs> bounced from, I will tell you, after I retired from uh, women's bobsledding, Sports Illustrated asked me to play women's professional football, so I did that, too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that... I kind of like the non-traditional <laughs> female sport. <laughs> I, 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 I'm mad at you. Um, what what is it What is it about, um, uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me ask it this way. When you are a champion bobsledder, um, what what causes that to happen? Uh, because obviously you're physically fit, but what 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 are what are the what are the issues or the factors that allow one to be a championship bobsledder? That's a great. No one's ever asked me that before. Mm. I'll answer it with this story. We had um, two NASCAR drivers come because they helped redesign the way the U.S. bobsleds were. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, thanks. Come and we'll give you a ride down the mountain. You know, NASCAR, they go over 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm on the radio, so I won't use the language they used. But at the end of the ride, <laughs> before the sled actually stopped, the one, uh, Jeff Bodine of NASCAR, he jumps out, whips off his helmet, and he goes, you m mm-hmm. and he says, you guys are insane. 
And so I, the answer is, I think you just, you've really got to love high adre- adrenaline. Mm-hmm. I mean, because your chances of crashing are so good that I think that, um, yeah, I think that most people who stay in the sport, they just love that terrifying thrill down the mountain. Yeah. Um, so now that leads me to this. You, you are you're you're in love with the uh, with the thrill, uh, and it, it it is to your point uh, terrifying can be coming down that mountain. But you're doing it more than four months pregnant, Alex. What were you thinking? Okay. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I always feel like it, this is the part where I have to defend myself because, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> okay, take it away. So at the, yeah, so at the time, there was very, very little uh, data on pregnant female athletes, right? Mm-hmm. And they only really had it on marathon runners and biathletes. So somehow, word got back to Case Western University who was heading up this big study that there was this idiot who was squatting 375 and being clocked at just under 20 miles an hour in my sprint. Mm. And so they called me and said, what else do you do? And I was like, well, plyometrics. And they, they said, you're in, we want you come. And so I was, when I trained, I was literally hooked up to everything. So I always knew my baby's heart rate. Mm. I knew her body temperature. I mean, like, so it's really, it was easy for me to do because I had things that, that no other woman would typically have. Right. So I always knew that my child was safe. Yeah. Um, how, how old is that baby now? She, that baby is 28 years old. And what did you tell that baby when she was old enough to understand this? What did you tell that baby about, uh, about the experience of your bobsledding with her in your belly? You know, I didn't have to tell her much because over the years with different things I've done, she's always known that she was my bobsled baby. Mm-hmm. And my son, who's 24, I got my second black belt when I was pregnant with him. So he's my black belt baby. <laughs> and my oldest child is really bitter because she's the mama sitting on the couch watching TV and fudge baby. <laughs> well, as, as you know. All children have their own identities, so I, I guess that's that's the way it works right. out. Uh, let, let me go back right quick. It turns out that you and I have something in common, and trust me, it ain't martial arts. It ain't bobsled. <laughs> that's not what we have in common. What we have in common is we're both part of military families. My father was in the military for like 36, 37 years, uh, and I'm always curious about this. Right. What, 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 what have you taken away all these years later? Um, from the experience of being a part of military, uh, being a part of a military family, and being able, as you said, to move around and live around the world. Now, I, 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 let me preface this: um, when you're when you're on a military base, as we were growing up, and I'm one of ten kids, by the way, so there are ten of us. Um, and it got to a okay. point. It got to a point where my family was so big, it was like an economic burden for the for the Air Force to move us around. <laughs> so we got we got we got yeah. stuck we got stuck at a place called Indiana, and that's pretty much where I grew up. Uh-huh. But we were even then living at an Air Force base, and so my entire childhood on this Air Force base essentially was watching friends come and friends go because they're being shipped yeah. around the world, as you well know. The the the, the, yeah. be- the beauty of that experience was, and sometimes I would be so jealous of my friends who I'd met 
and gotten to know they're there for a year or two years and they get shipped off, right? Their father and mother get shipped off. So the, so, so the, so the, the downside is that you, for me, I was losing friends. Again, they would come and they would go. And oftentimes I'd get jealous of where they were going and why I was stuck in Indiana, why they were traveling around the world. The downside, though, is from their perspective. Um, they make friends and they got to move on to another place. So there, there are a number of ways mm-hmm. to sort of read this. How did you read the experience you had being a military brat and moving around the world? So I love this so much, and so I got to tell you. First of all, I'll, I'm going to I'm going to keep in touch with you now. You're a friend, you're okay. a military friend, so I got to watch over you. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and that's but that is how it works. And so you you know this. It doesn't surprise me now that you um, are this great voice on radio that so tracks with your upbringing. Um, so for me, I was one of the ones that moved around. By the time I was 18, we lived in 20 places. Wow. And so. I really think that that's why I am so big into research because I'm just always researching people. I like to, even if they don't know me or they, they died 200 years ago, I love to collect people. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from, you know, just losing my friends. You know, you just settle in as you, as you said, and then you, you, you're off again and you don't have a say in it. You just have to go. I'm interested about you having so many siblings because usually military brats are either introverts or big-time extrovert. Mm-hmm. Is that true with your siblings? Are you like half and half, or how are you guys? Yeah, I, I would say uh, maybe half and half. Um, there are three. Okay. There are three of us. Um, maybe four um, off the top of my head. Four of us who are pretty extroverted. Um, the others, uh-huh. the others, not so much. None of my siblings are shy. I wouldn't call yeah. any. I wouldn't call any of them shy. Um, but there are four of us who okay. are extremely extroverted, um, and uh, the other the others are, you know, a little less. Um, but again, when you got a family that big, uh, it's um, you know, I guess my, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> With uh, it's like it's like the box That's of chocolates. That's true. You got to like learn the box to of yell chocolates, just right? to be heard. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> one never knows. But no, it's um, it's it's um, it was a fascinating thing for me to to grow up and again to have friends come and friends go and process what it would be like for me to move on to live someplace else. But um, again. Um, I appreciate the service. Of, was it your father or your mother in the military? Your father? My father, yes. Yeah, yeah. And you too. You yeah, too. Same thing, same thing, yeah. All right, so uh, the book is called When, when Women Stood, The Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports in the World. And I want to I learn, uh, and I want you to learn what Alexandra Alex Allred learned, uh, helping to put this book together and talking to a lot of great female athletes, one of whom I call a personal friend, JJK, Jackie joyner Kersey. We'll talk about that when we come forward with Alex in a moment on KBLA Talk 1580. Unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now, It does indeed right now with uh, Alex Allred, uh, author of the book, When Women Stood, The Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports and the World. Um, Alex did a little bit of bobsledding, of course, uh, winning a uh, U.S. Women's Championship there. Uh, did some martial arts, did some professional football, and talked to a bunch of other women, uh, women for this text who have done a lot of other things, uh, including uh, my friend Jackie Joyner-Kersey. So what did you learn from all these women you talked to for this book, Alex? You know, one thing I love to tell everybody is if I had been doing a, a book of this magnitude on the history of men in sport, I don't think I'd be able to talk to even a quarter of the big names that I spoke to because men always get the media. So, you know, like they're, they're kind of over it mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so, but the women there, I talked to so many women who actually wound up telling me a lot of really personal things just because we have so many different issues in sport 
that um, I, I was, I mean, it's, it's crazy to have your phone ring and, hey, this is Jesse Graff, the American Ninja Warrior, and, mm. and you know, Gabrielle Reese, and just huge names. I actually do in my class, I, so I teach a kinesiology class, and I teach this to my college students, and I and I teach about Jackie Joyner-Kersey as, a, as an, a great example of, you know, Flojo had all the flash, mm-hmm. but hands down, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, my God, I mean, what a phenomenal athlete, and yet she just really, in many ways, she, she was widely ignored in the sponsorship commercial mm-hmm. advertising world, yep. and that's just such a shame, you know, and so... I do. I, that's a lot of this kind of stuff that I I teach, and I and I all the stuff we're hearing in the news right now. I I teach to all the hard topics. Yeah, since you went there, Which, being I'm, in Texas isn't easy. Yeah, yeah, I, I can, yeah, I can imagine. Um, since you went there, let me follow you right quick. Uh, as I said, because I know uh, JJK and have known her for years, uh, what you say is true uh, that she never was able to cash yeah. in uh, on the Mm-mm. promotional money. Uh, the uh, uh, the kind of money that, that, that really makes a difference in your life. Um, most of these athletes, certainly women athletes, especially women athletes, um, you know, if you're going to make a lot of money, if you can tap into that, that's where the real money comes from. Think about it. All the money Serena has made or made on the tennis court pales in comparison. I mean, it pales in comparison to the money she's made as a promotional uh, uh uh, endorser uh, of various products. That's where the real money is. Um, and Jackie yeah. uh, did not tap into that, as you, as you mentioned. Um, to your mind, here's my question. Is that one of the uh, arbiters of success these days for, for women athletes? How do you judge whether or not or how, in fact, uh, successful a female athlete has been in her career? So that's such a fantastic and difficult question because um, and this is what happened in my book. So I set off to write a history of women in sports, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. I, I had to dial it back, and I had to write about the history of women, her right to vote, her right to drive, her right in politics. And then that, I've even got sub-chapters because I had to write about the white female mm-hmm. athlete experience and the non-white athlete experience because you know, and there's all these people in the world right now who are losing their minds over the truth, mm-hmm. but that's the truth. And those are really huge differences. And it's so funny you said that about Serena, because I, I say to my classes all the time, oh my word, she is so phenomenal, but she's she's also lucky in the sense that she it's 2023, yes. and that's one of the reasons she's doing as well as she is, because only very recently have black female athletes been getting some of what they really deserved, yeah. you know, because uh, sports and if, you know, for the advertising world, there, there, she always, it had to be this cute ponytailed mm-hmm. white athlete. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why the WNBA players today struggle. They struggle for the attention that they so justly deserve because the the feminine ideal still in Western nations is small, white, submissive, you know, that, and our WNB players are not that way. Yeah. And so they get ignored, and that's a crying shame. I love talking to truth tellers. Alexandra, uh, Alex Allred is a truth teller, as you can tell. When we come forward in our remaining moments with her, I want to come straight away back to this uh, notion that she's addressing right now. And that is the distinct difference that uh, black female athletes have had, um, the journey they've had to travail, 
uh, verse is versus um, the journey that white female athletes have had to, to sort of navigate. And I'm curious as to what she learned in that regard. Uh, our remaining moments with Alex when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. When Women Stood, the Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports in the World is the name of the book. The author of that book is our guest in the sound, uh, who uh, won the first ever U.S. Women's Bobsled Championship when she was four months pregnant. Her name is Alex Allred. I've uh, been delighted to have been in this conversation with Alex with a few minutes to go here. Alex, let me come back to the issue you raised a moment ago, and that is what you learned. I'm curious as to what you learned um, about the difference in the journey of black female athletes and white female athletes. Oh, my word. That's such a joke. Can we have another hour? Please? Yeah, sure. Come I back. Really come back. Come back. Come um, back. I'll, I'll answer like this. Is So, I'm sure no one listening has ever heard the name Dor- Dorothy Cure. Mm-hmm. And in, in 1914, she set the national record for women for um, the high jump. She never made the history books because she was black. Mm. And so it's, those are the kind of people who I, I, I found. And, and I, I'd go down these rabbit holes and I'd find these people. You know, I, we talk about... Um, protesting national anthem or, or taking a knee, right? Sure, and sure. you think Colin, of mm-hmm. course. And then, or the WNBA, if you, if for those who know that they actually did it first. But mm-hmm. um, no one knows the two names of the two black cheerleaders who in 1959 were the first known in sports record to protest a collegiate event. They were at a Harvard basketball game and they refused to... Uh, um, you know, acknowledge the the national anthem. Mm. And I looked for so long to find their names. I tried so hard to find their names. It's still on my list. It's a, it's, it's a to-do list. I'm Mm going to get them one day, Mm -hmm. but there, of course their names weren't mentioned, but you want to talk about brave 1959. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I fell in love with so many, so many women, you know, all backgrounds, but I fell in love with so many um, black women in particular as I was doing the research because I'd sit back and I, I remember how hard it was for me to fight to get women into bobsledding. Yeah. But at no time did I think anybody was going to kill me, mm. you know, mm. and that's like that's a really huge difference. I you know what? Let's make this full circle because I was reminded you made me on break. I, I opened my book and I looked at something. So have you heard of, if you're a sports fan, you've heard of James E. Sullivan, the mm-hmm. James E. Sullivan Award. Mm-hmm. It's the most prestigious award that you could get. Um, tons of athletes, you and I both know, have, have, have all gotten it. He, in 1904, he had what he called the um, Tribal Games. And he's big in the IOC. He was one of the founders of the AAU. Mm-hmm. And he's all over. He's a big name in sports, right? He it was also a massive white supremacist. And um, really misogynistic. He actually had, in 1904, he had the tribal games in which they got non-white, non-Americans to come to the St. Louis 1904 games and do sports that they'd never, they didn't know the rules, they'd never trained in them. And then they used that as their scientific evidence to prove that white athletes were superior. Mm. And I, (laughs) and I, I, I bring that up because I'm saying, how is James E. Sullivan's name still relevant in sports mm-hmm. today? Yep. But it is. Yep. 
uh, you know, the, the award that people crave without necessarily knowing the backstory. Um, uh, I take your point. And let me just say, I got 30 seconds here. Let me just say, uh, I am certain, um, cause I, I say all the time we joke and say, you know, always bet on black. I'm going to change that. Always bet on Alex. Uh, because if Alex says she's going to find something, she's going to find it because she did it in martial arts. She did it in the bobsled competition. She did it with uh, playing pro football. Uh, she did it writing this book. And I am certain she's going to find those two names of those persons, those sisters in 1959, who courageously protested, uh, she will find it. Her book is called uh, When Women Stood, The Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports and the World. Alex, I have delighted in this conversation, and you will have to come back at some point, I promise you. I would love it, especially knowing you're a fellow military brat. You're on. There you go. Thanks, Alex. More of Tabby Smiley after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.